Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. Starting our topic uh, today, we're talking about the Twisted Church, and I want to start off by saying that everything that we talk about today is, is of course, an opinion, and you know, you. I want to be clear in talking about how these are opinions that we form based off of doctrine, of course, um, uh, off of scripture. Mm-hmm. And but everything is still through our worldview and our perspective. And so I want to make it clear that these are our our viewpoints and perspectives from us, and our heart for church, whether it's the you know church in America, church in Brazil, church in. Uh, anywhere, mm-hmm. we desire for church to be united. Every church, every church to be united. Every church of the Christian faith to mm-hmm. be one, and for us to see the things that uh, build bridges together, not tear them down, yeah. um, and that we unite as one as a body of Christ. And so that is our heart. Um, and what we're talking about today is really um, geared towards the Americanized church. Of course, what's limited to our worldview here in America. Mm-hmm. And I really feel like God has stirred up these things in my heart um, as as things that I feel like God is saying to the church. And I hope that when as we go over these things, you you see our heart and that you see that um, this all is this whole message today is geared for us to be more united as in Christ and more Christ focused. Um, And so with that being said. I want to uh, I want to start off with, with this verse, and so today is really just like um, I really felt like prophetically uh, like corrections to the church, and so starting off in James chapter four verse seven through twelve, it says, "So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your." Your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. Don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. If you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. God alone who gave the law is the judge. He alone has the power to save or to destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? I wanted to start off with this verse to to just as like a preface to everything that we're going to talk about today. And truly, this verse is, uh, I feel like it's funny because there's people that say, doesn't the Bible say not to judge? And then there's also scripture that says, judge those who are in the church. Yeah. And here it's saying, don't judge one another. And there's so much, uh, I feel like what the Bible tries to do is give, um, is just trying to unpack this idea of judgment with one another. It's true judgment is, is correction out of love. But the judgment here is talking about just like being judgy, like the traditional judgy church. Yeah. Um, it's not a, uh, it's not out of love. It's not out of care. And here in this in the scripture, this is James, the brother of Jesus, talking to the church and just rebuking them for not acting or behaving like the church should. And 
he's literally saying you should weep, you should you should cry, you should not be happy, you because the thing the way that we have lived is not right. Mm-hmm. And I really feel like this these verses are jumping out for the American church today. Um, and so we're going to talk about four issues and. I meant to ask you before, if, we, if it really goes longer, we might break this up into a two-part message um, so that you guys don't have to, you know, your butt go numb or something from sitting mm-hmm. down, um, but, or laying down. Um, but the first thing I wanted us to address is the segregated church. The segregated church. And I wonder, uh, what I'm talking about is the American church has become an ethnic culture that has consistently pushed cultural behavior more than spiritual behavior. Mm. And I want to speak, uh, before I go on, I want to I just share some scriptures because um, the idea of diversity within the church is not a new concept. Um, in fact, the idea of discrimination is not something that is new. It, has, it was within the church long ago. In the book of Acts, chapter 6, verse 1 through 4, the very first, you know, like together church after Pentecost, it says, but as the believers rapidly multiplied, there was rumblings of discontent. The Greek speaking believers complained about the Hebrew speaking believers saying that their widows were being discriminated against and the daily distribution of food. So pretty much in their free food program, there was discrimination between Greek and, uh, and Hebrew. And so those are two different cultures uh, uh, most likely different ethnicities that are being discriminated against just in passing out food. They're getting less food than the next person, and it's consistent to where it's noticeable. I want to just point out that whenever something is noticeable, that means that there's a con- and there's a consistency. Mm-hmm. That means that there's something there going on, whether subconsciously, on purpose, ignorantly. There's something that is happening, and it's it's something that needs to be addressed, mm-hmm. and. Continuing on, it says that, so the 12 called a meeting of the, all the believers. This is the 12 apostles, and they said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, and we will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. And so in this, in this passage, they are not saying that this is not an important issue. They're saying we are, uh, we're focused on, on unraveling Scripture as Jesus, uh, as Jesus has commanded us. We need to now start putting other people in charge mm-hmm. because we should only do what we can do because no one else can do what we're doing. And so we need to put other people in charge of this because other people can do this. And so this is great first delegation of the early church. And I want to, what is so amazing is that they chose spirit-filled people to, to run this food program. Mm-hmm. I, and it, it was people, it says people with wisdom and full of the Holy Spirit. These weren't just like the volunteers, to, they, these weren't the greeter team, you know, they're like as long as they can open the door, they can, they can serve here. They chose people that were full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom to the point where one of those people was Stephen who was literally praying for people as they were coming to get their food and performing healings and miracles. And that when people were trying to accuse uh, Scripture or whatever near him, he, he was well-rounded in Scripture to where he could defend the faith. And he ended up being uh, stoned because people were so... Uh, all, because of the people near... 
the people that were against Christianity found him such as a threat because he was so full of the Holy Spirit and authority. And so such a, it's like one of the, a martyred person from running a soup kitchen. And that is how much importance of a role it was that they chose someone that, that devout and that wise and that full of the Holy Spirit to run this because they saw discrimination as an important issue that needed to be addressed. They didn't just put anybody there. The, now, I want to share another verse in James chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. It says, My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord, Jesus Christ, if you favor some people over others? For example, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and another comes who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can stand over there or else sit on the floor. Well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? Guys, I feel like when we read this verse, it's like obvious, like, oh, we would never do that. But let's just switch it up a little bit. If it could apply to uh, a poor person in dirty clothes, could it apply to someone that looks like they just came off the street, like uh, that looks like all hood, dre- uh, dressed with saggy jeans? How many times have you seen someone in church come in like that and immediately everyone is like, oh, shoot, someone someone that's not dressed in a suit is here. I mean, I remember seeing that in church. I remember uh, when I first started going to church, I did not even get the memo that I was supposed to dress up all suited. And I, th- it was like there's a, a weird discontent with me not dressing like everybody else. And there was even conversations had with me about how I needed to dress like everybody else. Mm-hmm. People offering me their clothes, which was like seemingly generous, was like, what the heck? Like, I, I have to dress different to, to be accepted? And I was coming in from a different culture. Mm-hmm. And what I'm getting at, guys, I, I wanna just like really address the elephants in the room. Um, there, there is the Anglo culture, which if you don't know, is like white culture. And then there's, there's Latino culture. There's black culture. There's Asian culture. All these cultures are different. And especially in America, we're called the melting pot because we have all, it's like uh, Chinese American is completely different than China. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, y'all get what I'm saying? Like black American is different than Africa. Mm-hmm. Le, le, uh, Hispanic American is different. It's just all different. And and so for us to uh, push one culture up and like rejecting others, I mean, I have friends of mine uh, that when they first gave their life to Christ, where they, they were told that not even to, to grow their hair out because it made them look like a thug. Mm-hmm. It, just because they were black and their hair was different, that if they grew their hair out, they needed to cut it because it made them look more like a thug. I mean, do y'all not see like that, how that's wrong? Yeah. Um, that you, you can't dress like that. You need to pull your pants up because um, the way we dress here is with belt and tucked in and you can't be dressing like some thug on the street. Well, that, that's not just dressing like a thug. That, that's actually part of culture. Yeah. And if, if we don't allow our minds to be more open to just the Anglo culture, then we will never succeed in reconciling the church as as the way it's supposed to be as a as one human race inclusive um to every kind of culture it is so dependent for us to reconcile these cultural differences and stop pushing 
are the the Anglo culture as a as a as a church. I want to read in uh, back on my notes. Martin Luther King Jr. once said that Sunday morning is the most segregated moment of the week in America, and right now there is such a large division. Uh, and the thoughts of reconciliation and race. Right now, with everything that our country is going through, there is so, such a huge division in what people believe is, is true or not, what people believe is, is, a, is um, really happening and not happening. And right now, um, while, while I believe that some of these claims are unfounded, I, do, I think that there's some claims on one side that are unfounded, but I think that uh, some claims on the other side are unfounded. I see both sides, and I feel like that there. After at the end of the day, there's some big areas that we need to address that that in our churches because it's not being talked about. It's not being addressed like it should at the at at, at the level that it should. And whether uh, I want to just bring this out, guys, whether it's music, the way that one dresses, or the way that someone talks, our churches have either blatantly passively or ignorantly rejected or condemned the culture of others while pushing one of the majority. Yeah. There is not a right culture to Christianity. In fact, our Protestant roots are in the protest of one-way culture. The word Protestant is to end protest of the majority. I mean, isn't, isn't that like an oxymoron um, to, to the idea of... of subjugating people to follow one ideology and the subtle thoughts this is where it really where it really boils down to guys where this is where most of the the passive what i call passive racism comes from and it's the subtle thoughts the subtle comments and the subtle side conversations about diversity that have beat around the bush regarding these elephants in the room and have even caused beliefs to form out of tradition rather than commands from God. I mean, let's be really honest. Even we could say we could just say in our homes, how how often do you make racial jokes? Even if it's about your own race. It if you if you make racial jokes, if you if you even subjugate uh, the a person by what kind of race they are. It, it like say you're talking about something and you're saying that someone uh, you saw someone in the store and uh, and you're talking about how it was like a funny incident. This is like a common way that people talk, right? Or you, it's an incident in the store and you th- thought somebody was was uh, aggressively walking to you and you got scared and you realized that they were actually getting their kid right behind you. And you're like, I got scared because I saw this, you know, he's like a big black guy coming towards me. And it's like just that little comment, like describing big black guy coming towards me. That is subtle racism. That is, dis- that is just describing what kind of diversity we look like in our homes. Mm-hmm. And now let's bring it to church. How, I mean, how many times within church with church members and church leadership, this kind of stuff happens to where um, talks about even in the parking lot. Well, we need to have some we need to have this kind of person out there. Or we shouldn't have this kind of colored person out here. You know, that kind of stuff happens within churches um, on the worship team of trying to create this false sense of diversity or even um, or even not having certain people up there. I mean, we see it. It's huge within church. When you go to 
uh, church conference, any church conference in the U.S., what you can expect to see is maybe three to four white speakers and one black guy. It's like, oh, they got a black guy in there. Good job. But it's, it's usually just that same black guy that's at every conference. Or, you know, it's not anyone new. It's not anyone up and coming. It's someone that had to grind and, and prove themselves so much more than all those other white guys that are brand new. And, and there, there is something going on, guys. That it, and what I, wanna, what I would further say is that when the Civil Rights Act happened, the church led in the Civil Rights Act. Martin, Martin Luther King Jr. led the church through the Civil Rights Act. But after that point, when things started to desegregate, the church sat back. Mm-hmm. While schools desegregated, churches did not. And we have allowed this, this passivity of addressing diversity to just kind of put our heads in the sand and not ever talk about it. We just, let's just believe that, that there isn't any extreme racism anymore. If no one is going, if no one in our church is going around and, and lynching, then we're not racist. That's a really low, low standard, guys. It's incredibly low. And the way that we talk and the way that we think about other cultures, about other ethnicities, says a lot about our churches. You know, I'm, I'm going on a lot here, Lauren, but share with me your thoughts about this subject. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just a lot of truth. And, um, you know, it just makes me think of this verse that you shared, the second one, really just talking about how us as a church... Um, it says, for example, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes, expensive jewelry, blah, blah, blah. If you give special attention or a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can stand over there, et cetera, et cetera. Doesn't this discrimi- discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? And, you know, that verse, I feel like just reflects like the heart of God, because yeah. the truth is even right now I've experienced, I think we all can say we've experienced some weird vibes yeah. <laughs> you know when it comes to church not every church church is great but i feel like mostly it's it's our churches are doing ignorantly you know um they're following the example of what they've given they're um and it's just not okay i've experienced that many times you go to certain churches and there's already clicks if you're not this it's not even just race something you're interested in what you look like how you dress you know it should never be that way when you see a rich man sometimes you know people think in, in big churches like oh let me go befriend them they might have great influence mm-hmm. in our church and bring something good to our church we need them but that is evil motives just like this verse says if you're going to cater to the one who appears rich and feels like you look at them like they have something to bring and i've yeah. experienced that where you know a, a church leader has said hey you need to go be their friend because they could really give this 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 and this to your ministry to this that is already guided by evil motives and is that what church is about for everyone to look the same for everyone to act the same for everyone to be the same race for everyone to be rich and and giving all their money to the church no you know the heart of god like jesus when he was on earth, what kind of disciples did he go and bring? He could have gone and told all the religious leaders who seem to have it all together, come and follow me because I want to look good. And I want everyone to look at me like, oh, he has all the top dogs of the church. 
you know, but no, he went to the sinners. He went to the tax collectors. He went to, you know, all the people who were just living a normal life, didn't think God wanted anything to do with them. And he went and saw their heart. And I know that's like a, a little bit off topic, but in a sense, it makes me think of, you know, God's heart for the church is never to be segregated, is never to show favoritism to certain people, certain races, yeah. cultures, looks, ways, all of that. And so I don't know if y'all have experienced that, are experiencing or never have, but the truth is, is that is not God's heart for his church. You know, and, and it makes me think of another story in the Bible where um, a sinner went to go pray before God, and Homer could correct me on the specifics of all that, but then someone of, of a like, religious leader who seemed to have it all together, they, they both went to the altar to pray before God. And the religious guy, the, the one that seemed to be all that in a bag of chips, he said, he said, God, I am so thankful that I am not a sinner like these, that I fast, that I tithe, amen, and left the church. And then the sinner said, God, have mercy on me. I'm not worthy of you. Forgive me for my sins. And that, that story goes on to say that God was most pleased with the sinner who came with a humble heart, begging for mercy and simply wanting to be close to him than the one who went appearing to be the right fit for the church, appearing to, to have it all together, to be the better one. And, and God's heart is for those who simply want to go to church, be a part of a community, and be feel like you belong. And, and, and so it, it just hurts me to know that sometimes churches operate in this, whether it's ignorantly, whether it's motives, like evil motives to get gain from others, or whether it's a culture that is so strong, which culture is great, community is great, but to the point where you segregate people that may be a little different than you, you know, that is so hurtful. And that is why one reason why people are so hurt by church. That is one reason because they feel like they go and they don't fit in at their family. They don't fit in, you know, with their friends. They don't fit in here and there. And they go to church thinking, okay, like, you know, I hear like this whole God thing, come as you are, let me try it out. And you go and everyone's looking at you like, who's this guy? You know, oh, you're wearing a hat in church. Don't you know you need to take off your hat? You know, I could, I could say crazy examples, but but these things have happened and these are, oh, you're going to smoke a cigarette on your way into the church. They're going to church, you know? And so we, we have no right to judge, just like that verse says. We have no right to criticize. All we are called to do is welcome anyone and everyone who wants to come to Jesus and be a part of the, of the family of God and not be segregated because of any such difference. And so, um, man, those are just my thoughts on, on that. Yeah, and I really value what you're saying, Lauren, and about how, uh, and I like how you, you focused on the, the churchianity that is so common in, in our churches today. And I want to take a sidestep real quick, um, kind of going back to the race issue. Um, I, I want to give you an analogy. Say, like Lauren talked about this idea of someone wearing a hat in church. What, what what I find is this is what's really captivating. Say there's two men that enter a church, both wearing something on their heads. What is going to be more criticized that the the white guy wearing the the cowboy hat mm. or the black guy wearing a do rag? Mm. And what what is what do you feel like would be more offensive to those around? Right. And both of them are the exact same, yeah. and yet one is criticized more. Mm -hmm. 
See, that, that is injustice. Yeah. That is wrong. And that's what these verses are talking about. And for us to... Uh, for us to just continue to ignore this kind of stuff. This is like just these random interactions that happen where people don't know um, what to what to do because they've never just actually befriended somebody other than their own race. Mm-hmm. Guys, the idea of like the white church is a very real and prominent thing. Uh, and, and for me, I, I experienced it when I moved to San Antonio. Us being predominantly in a uh, Hispanic church it was it was so weird to me when I first went to a white church and the this idea of like well you shouldn't call it white or you shouldn't call it a black church you shouldn't call it a Latino church guys it is what it is it's true it's evident mm-hmm. and the, the thing is that I'm look I'm white I'm a quarter Italian quarter Spanish but I'm white at the end of the day mm-hmm. my wife she's she's Latina mm-hmm. sexy Latina okay <laughs> <laughs> but and at the end of the day you know we it is there's there is a there is a great division, and the same way that I've heard, uh, say like white people talk about like, well, I just I went to a black church and it it made me feel uncomfortable because I was the only white person there and they did things a lot differently. It's like okay, that's exactly what it feels like to go to a white church. It feels so uncomfortable. It feels like you don't fit in and that everyone's looking at you, even if they're not. It is so just the the atmosphere feels that way and the way that you're talked to is differently than everybody else guys when i when i same way when i go to a a, been to a black church super friendly just like all other churches right but it's different like oh like the white guys here (laughs) how about that (laughs) same way the same thing happens when it's the other way around and our mission should be to become an inclusive uh, uh inclusive types of churches to where we are are really mixing cultures to where it's not just this way or that way. And and it it's not something that happens overnight. It's not like we can give a message like, all right, let's go out and do it. But it's something for, for us to be aware of it, as people, as Christians. It's something that we need to be aware of so that we can start making the difference with us. We can't change all the churches in the U.S., but we can change how we act and how we behave with other people to the churches that we go to. I, I want you to think about this. The next time you see some someone that's a different race than you, different ethnicity than you, instead of feeling that awkward vibe that you get and feeling like this weird tension, like, oh, how do I talk to him? Why don't you just get out of all of your head and all of the weird stuff you're thinking and just go up to them and start a conversation with them. They'll probably be weirded out just as much as you are it, because it is so rarely done. And don't try to to mimic their culture, don't try to mimic their dialect, just be yourself and and make a friend of a different race. Please, for the love of God, make a friend of a different race. I think that that is what's most disturbing when it comes to the segregation issue is that no matter what side you're on, on any politics, the only people I see arguing for, uh, say, the white side or the black side are only black people or only white people. And there's there's the there's few mixes of either, but it's like guys, it if we're if it's only one race arguing one side for their race, it doesn't very it doesn't really look like we have an open perspective now, does it? it? We need to really address these issues within the church, and if we don't, the church is going to just be stomped out because it's not going to be able to survive. And 
as a last bit of personal opinion about racism, ethnicity, I want to just say that something that has to go in every person's family, in every person's home, in every person's car, in every person's work cubicle, office space, uh, uh, cashier's desk, whatever, is the racist jokes. Guys, the, the racist jokes, even if it's against your own ethnicity, even if you're Mexican and you think it's funny to make Mexican jokes, whatever, like, you got to understand that those jokes only feed the, the, the negative stereotypes to, your, to, to people. And those jokes were made by racists, by people that hate the other ethnicity, that hate other races. And if we were to, why keep that alive? Y'all dig what I'm saying? Like, why would we keep that alive if it was invented through hate? Why would we allow even humor to mix with hatred like that? It's disgusting. And we need to, we need to stop thinking it's funny and just be uh, man up about it and stop it. I mean, I, I will literally kick somebody out of my home for making racist jokes. And there's been close calls. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and so with all that being said, there's a lot of other issues that we want to talk about with the church. And th this really is a segue to our next one. And there's, I want to just be straight up that there's a lot more that, we, that needs to be talked about with segregation. But we're, we're trying to hit some other points within the church today. The, this is, I think it's a good segue um, for what we're talking about with segregation is the next one is the silent church because most churches are completely silent about these major issues in our cities in our nation and as well as within each individual church if you've been at a church long enough there's like some serious problems that everybody knows about but no one talks about mm -hmm. and the just like how we talked about with segregation being a huge problem within the church why isn't anybody talking about it because the of the sin of being silent and the duty to reconcile is a very difficult job yet to ignore the responsibility is shameful and wrong pretending like all is fine is is hurtful to the ones who are being affected it makes me it makes me think about just like the the recent issues within our nation there's so much what um, but going, going all the way back to George Floyd, going into right now, um, it's like there's so much to talk about. And there are so many churches that are remaining silent on these issues mm -hmm. because they are afraid of offending one side or the other. They're afraid of taking sides. And I want to read a couple verses before I go on. In Proverbs 31, verses 8 through 9, it says, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and helpless and see that they get justice. In Proverbs 18, 13, Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. In Proverbs 18, 14, this human spirit can endure a sick body, but who can bear a crushed spirit? Proverbs eighteen seventeen: The first to speak in court sounds right until the cross-examination begins. And finally, Proverbs eighteen nineteen: This is one of the most important verses. An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. All these verses that I gave 
flow together in, in the purpose of this church speaking out. The reason I'm sharing the, the, like a, a plethora of them is because, like what I said, what it says here, spouting off before listening to both sides is foolish. Uh, to, to, before listening to the facts is foolish. To, one person sounds right until the other person is heard. And with a lot of these issues, even like the issue that we just talked about, segregation, we have our presumptive uh, opinions limited to our perspective, to our experiences, to our worldviews, before we ever even listen to any other sides. I mean, the majority, like, like let's just look at um, black and white, the majority of, of black people feels like there's segregation in, within the churches, while the majority of white people feel like there's not. See, that, that is what we see as a limited perspective to where we, do, we cannot understand the perspective of another race, of another ethnicity, because we haven't experienced it. But if there's a consistent amount of, of people saying the same thing, that means it's, it's pretty much there. And so if we don't look at more facts, if we don't look at more uh, evidence, or if we don't hear people out, we're only going to be in, uh, becoming foolish and sound shameful. And if we choose not to speak up at all, even once we find it, it is a shameful thing to do. God calls us to speak up against injustice, uh, no matter how small or big. And finally, the, it's, it's a, uh, an offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. When we remain silent, we greatly offend people that are hurting. Mm -hmm. And it is our duty to, to speak up for those who, are, who, who need to be uh, defended. And as the church... We should be bridge builders in the, these canyons of division. But most have decided to avoid the issue altogether so that uh, out of fear of offending one side or the other. It is our duty as Christians, as churches, to be bridge builders instead of one-siders. Mm -hmm. it, it, no, it doesn't matter whether uh, red or blue, what, whatever ethnicity you are, it is our duty to be bridge builders and if we just remain silent then there's no bridge being formed you, what you're doing is you're agreeing for there to be this big division this big canyon in between and as long as it's not affecting you it's okay and it's the church's mission think about this it's the church's mission to be reconcilers we reconcile people to god but our other mission is love people just uh, love our neighbor as ourselves right it is our duty as the body of Christ to reconcile the parts of the body to the body. And so if we allow the, the finger, the, the, the hand to be cut off and it do not do any part to reconcile it, then we are doing a disservice to the body of Christ. And even though this is our mission, we have abandoned this post to carry on as normal and preach the same old messages that are just kicking the super dead horses. I am sick and tired of hearing messages that have nothing to do with what we're actually going through. Mm -hmm. It's the same dead messages repeated year after year after year, and it's just kicking a super, super dead horse instead of actually addressing what matters right now. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm getting really fired up, Lauren. Yeah, Why don't you share yeah, what you fired. think about this? <laughs> um, you know, just a lot. Um, I think it's just really true, again, that the church is silent, especially right now, especially anytime there's something going on. But how many times do churches, um, and again, we're not hating on churches, but 
we're talking about we're a church we are a church you know we all have heirs but the heart of the church that god has if that makes sense we're talking about what is his heart for a healthy functioning church and what are some errors that we have encountered as a church and and that is one being silent especially right now as a church leader as a person who's leading a church as a church in general how important it is is it to lead the people you are leading in a time like this they need to know as a christian how do i function as a christian what should i expect as a christian how should i function when it comes to these things that were coronavirus this whole you know racism thing that's coming up all these issues is it the end of the world how do i know what should i do to seek god to find out you know how should i prepare instead we're saying okay this month guys we're talking about blessings on blessings we can't Shoot. wait this month guys we're we're all gonna sow a big seed at the end of the month and we're just gonna get it in return the next month just like we do every year yeah and it's and it's so irrelevant like yeah people want blessings but Hello, I need to know how to survive right now, how to function as a Christian, and you're not talking about it. CNN's talking about it, Fox News is talking, my grandma's talking about it, <laughs> but church isn't talking about it. And if we're trying to be a Christian that's not just this butterfly Christian, you know, singing hallelujah all day, but actually functioning as a strong Christian in the society right now and what's going on, we need to be led, and that is the church's job to lead us in real hard topics. Hard topics is exactly what's going on right now. Everything that's going on with you know our presidential election coming up, all these um, conspiracies coming out, all of this evil and wickedness in our world right now. How many of y'all heard about it? And what, what are y'all thinking? Everyone's thinking so many different things, but is the church leading us to find truth in it? Is the church leading us to know how to function during these uncertain, scary times? And the truth is, is though some are, many are not. Why? Because they're afraid to not be liked. They're afraid to be judged. They're afraid that it's not what the people want. People want blessings on blessings, right? People want to feel good. They want to come on Sunday and not hear the hard stuff. They want to be able to just feel better and get their refill for the week. But the truth is, is people who are truly seeking after God want the real truth, want the dirty facts of living life for God, especially now. And Jesus offended people. Jesus went around spitting truth, you know. He went around, <laughs> you know, that's how y'all say it these days, right? He went around talking about teaching and preaching about what was going on right now. The kingdom's coming. This is what we need to do. Here is the solution, and he went around talking about the truth. Many people followed him, as you know, but the people who um, were all about the show and didn't want to talk about, oh, like, you know, one day there is eternity, like, yeah, no, just, just follow me. People that didn't like it were offended by Jesus, hated Jesus, and were talking smack about Jesus, and so on, and to the point where they killed him, right? And so the truth is, is as a, as a church, a body of Christ, we are to spit the truth and we're going to have haters and we're, people are going to be offended. And if you're afraid of that, then how can you truly follow Christ if you're afraid to be um, offend other people? And the Bible says, if you're so busy trying to please people, you can never please God. 
The Bible says that. Jesus said, if you're more concerned yeah. about pleasing people, then how can you please God? Because God will call you to do things and say things that not everyone will like. And if you're afraid of that, then you can't obey the voice of God. And, and so, um, yeah, I just feel like we should not be silent. Yeah. And, um, and we need to just be real and talk about especially what's going on. Um, and I feel like there was something else, but I guess that would be the, the gist of what I was saying. You know, and, and I really love the passion that you're showing, Lauren, because it's like it almost makes you angry to, to have major things being avoided. And you might be wondering, well, what the heck am I supposed to do? I'm not, the, I'm not a leader. I'm not a pastor. I'm just you know, trying to be a Christian. Well, that's why we're giving this message is because that's what the body of Christ is. There is no, there's, there's very small differences between a pastor and the average Christian. The, what, the way I look at myself as a pastor is just another she- sheep, but at the head of the pack saying, come on, guys, Jesus is this way. Yeah. And so all, all, all that we're getting at when sharing all this is that the to hunger and thirst for things to be talked about and talk about them yourselves. When we do it as just fellow Christians, that is the church doing it. We don't have to wait for substantial leaders to do it. We are the church. You are the church. And so it has no need to wait for anybody else to talk about this stuff first, to be to stop being silent. And I really believe that the, the reality is this quarantine time, everyone is so upset about having to stay home all this time, not being able to do anything. Well, you know what? That's what the church has been doing for decades already, mm. not doing anything within just making a difference. Now, don't get me wrong. I The, the facts are that the church, an America church, is one of the biggest contributors to making a difference around the world and, and communities. Even when it comes to uh, natural disasters, it's, you, it's the local church that is the first one on scene before any government body, before any other organization. It's the church that always meets the need first. But what I'm talking about is for, uh, for us to be to deal with this sickness inside of us because we're not going to be able to continue to be the first on the scene if we don't get rid of this virus that's in, within mm-hmm. us as a church. Mm-hmm. We need to deal with this, this, this silence and start talking and being, and, and being who we're called to be. Mm-hmm. And so this, this next topic that we're going into I was going to say one more oh, thing. Oh, go ahead, that's girl. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, and it's okay. Because I lost my train of thought, but I remembered, and it's just a small thing on um, the whole silent thing. And, and, and like I said, it's already we're talking about like being silent about issues that we need to talk about in church yeah. and not being afraid of it. But another thing I feel like as a church that we fall into um, in not a good way is when we're silent about the needs of people within our church. Mm. We become silent and even blind to the very obvious needs in front of our church in our church in our church community and we choose to look away and we choose to not bring it up you know there's there's times that we've experienced that and seen that ourselves to where you know we're again all about you know the show which i know we're about to go into all about just doing church putting on this big show being excited about god and church and all this stuff but there's people right before us who need the hands and feet of jesus but nobody wants to do it, so therefore nobody brings it up and speaks up for these people that need you to go into their life, to, to intervene, to hold their hand, to pray with them, to cook a meal for them, whatever it looks like. It could be anything. And so I don't want to go on a whole separate tangent, but I guess my point that I just wanted to say is not only are we silent about 
issues we need to talk about, but we're silent and even blind to the needs because we're so concerned with with our our schedule and our um, you know worship practice this night, this this night, this this night, and it's just going to be too much because we're already doing so much. And if we speak up and say, "Hey, have you noticed that family coming every single week?" and you know they're faithful, and but you know what? I know they're in need of this, and I think in our power we have the means to be able to provide that and do something about it. So let's do it. No, so many times they choose not to say that, even though it's in their power to do. Something because it's just a little bit too much. They have like too much going on already. It's going to be stressful. Like, I don't want to add more to my plate. I'm already burnt out. Like, I can't, you know, God will provide for them. I'm going to pray, you know. And so, anywho, um, I think that as a church, we need to just um, man up and do what God's called us to do. Not just put on Sunday shows, but actually do the dirty work and help people. Yeah. So, yeah, anywho, yeah, that's it. You know, that is so powerful, Lauren. And I'm like, I'm getting like really angry, just <laughs> like righteous anger. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we we have two more points to go over. We're already at 45 minutes, Lauren. What do you yeah. think we should do? Mm-hmm. Should we should we either break this up to where we do a part two on Instagram and do it today, just all just have a buffet style, sure. or should we break this up to where we share the rest next week? I mean, I'm I'm here. <laughs> I'm available. It's up to. You know, if everyone here wants to, like, stay on a little bit longer. I mean, I don't know, babe. It's hard to say right now. It's a lot of pressure. I know. Well, I just, I'm enjoying it. I mean, um, so. <laughs> um, well, well, shoot. I mean, I do have it all here. We were going to start the next series. So. Well, we could just do it. And then if you have to get out and come back in later, do it. Like, we respect that, you all know. Right, amen. But come back. Okay. Or, okay, Crystal said do it today, so we'll do it today. Okay, great. Okay. Well, then, uh, Instagram, we'll be right back. And we're going to start part two because we're already coming up on our time. So just tune in for our next uh, video right now. All right, you want to? Yeah, yeah. Lauren's mm-hmm. got this. She's kind of like the this. tech yeah, person. Yeah, the tech person, yeah. yeah. Mal- oh, okay, Mallory, Crystal, everyone's saying just go it right now. Okay. Uh, at first, those look like middle fingers, but now I see that they say they're little ears. Okay. Yeah. I was like, dang, Mallory, chill. <laughs> um, and so the next topic that we're going into is going to be the show of church. Um, Sorry. Uh, that's yes, okay. You I, can just add it and I'll fix it later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> tech stuff, you guys. Yeah, I'm not you guys good at understand. the tech stuff. <laughs> um, and so as we get go into this this next part, guys, uh, Crystal's just laughing at us <laughs> right now. Uh, the podcast is going to sound crazy. Yeah. Um, and so as we go into our next part... Uh, I want us to reflect for a moment about all that we said, and that is we talked about the segregated church, we talked about the silent church, and now we're going to be talking about the show church. Uh, What's up, Instagram? Welcome back. We love you. (laughs) Um, And so going into the show church, I want to start with this verse, and thank you guys for being, uh, (laughs) thank you guys for being patient. Um, So going into the show church, this is, this is actually one that's really close to my heart. All of these are really big to my heart, but this one especially. Um, for those of y'all who don't know, um, I, I gave my life to Christ from not being raised in church at all and, uh, and just reading the Bible. And once I, I read the Bible and then went to church, it was like um, I felt like I was, I was not what I was expecting after reading the Bible. Mm. And there's certain parts where I was just like confused and this part is something that just really start like spoke to me years ago. 
And so as a preface, here's a scripture in Amos chapter 5, verse 20 through 21 through 24. This is God speaking to his people through a prophet. And he says, I hate all your show and pretense, the hypocrisy of your religious festivals and solemn assemblies. I will not accept your burnt offerings and grain offerings. I won't even notice all your choice peace offerings away with your noisy hymns of praise. Mm. I will not listen to the music of your harps. Instead, I want to see a mighty flood of justice, an endless river of righteous living. Now, I feel like that speaks really heavy to church today in our world in Mm -hmm. America. Mm -hmm. And really, the idea of the Sunday suit has become a way of life for the American church by it being a day and a place where you play pretend of who you really are. You play pretend of what we are really going to, what we're really going through, and we play pretend on how we really behave and worship God. It is long overdue for the church to grow up and become authentic in our worship and character. From the worship leader to the back row rider, we need to stop living for the show, and we, we are only storing up wrath by living such a false narrative such false fulfilling roles. Now, I, I want to be I want to be a little specific on some of these parts. Is that cool? And so, uh, like I, oh, man, I just get kind of like, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But this idea of the Sunday suit. Let's unpack that for a second. It's literally a day where p- people, all of us, have played pretend mm-hmm. and behave like we're someone we're not. Yeah. I mean. How many times have you behaved differently at church and not your true self? And if there's a if there's a disconnect, I mean, I get the idea of like we put our best foot forward. Like I acted differently with Lauren on our first date than I did on our second date. <laughs> Trying to make <laughs> you remember out. Remember us. Yeah, <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, like when we find a home church that we're going to, we need to stop the pretending. Like we need to actually be real and I don't know how many worship leaders I've met that actively smoke weed that that get drunk all the time that and it's just like what are you doing why do you even lead worship there's so many Christian uh, quote-unquote leaders that I've met that doubt their own faith that they they feel like they don't even know why they believe in God anymore and they're still going through the show like do you see how like like sick that is imagine being led in worship by someone that hates God I mean is that not asinine And there's, there's, when we see like, even right now, this, this past year, there's been so many, um, quote unquote, worship leaders or Christian authors that have come out on Instagram, disowning their faith publicly and saying that, uh, you know, this long script of how they're going on to further opening their perspective. Guys, every single time I've seen that is what's connected to it is, well, I've grown up in the church. And it's like, okay, so all of us that grew up in the world are just idiots now that we're going to church. Yeah. You know, it, it is such a it's such a foolish thing that people are really just getting so sick of the show that they've been living and they realize that their authenticity is ugly mm-hmm. and that their real selves don't match up to their Sunday selves. And that is what is leading them to disown their faith is that they're just sick and tired of living a lie within themselves. 
And if we do not stop living the lie, if we don't stop playing pretend just like these people have been, then we're going to end up just, uh, it's going to just be wasted years that we spent in church. And we need to put on our, our grown-up pants and start dealing with ourselves in church. It, it is so, it is, I mean, aren't you sick and tired of like pretending? Mm-hmm. And, and transparency is what leads to victory. If we continue to hide things like in our lives and try to not let anybody in, it's like mold that just grows in our souls and our hearts. And even though you don't see mold, it's a, it will kill you. If you leave mold in your walls, if the walls of your, ha- your house, the walls of your heart, even though you may not see it, it will suffocate you. It will poison you. And transparency, uh, until we stop the show, we will never find victory in our Christian walk. Mm-hmm. So many Christians that are struggling with, with like really heavy-rooted stuff, mm-hmm. And they can just feel like they can never find victory because they never can actually open up with what they're going through. The minute we stop pretending that we have everything together is actually the moment that we start getting our lives together. Yeah. But it requires us to stop the show. The, the show is ridiculous. And it's time to stop fake loving people. The, fake, the time of fake loving people is over. And emotionalism is a sorry excuse for genuine love. Mm -hmm. And super spiritualism only distracts from true powers of genuine action. Let me unpack what I'm saying with that by first sharing this verse. In Romans 12, 9 through 10, it says, Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Mm -hmm. And so unpacking this idea of first... What I'm saying is emotionalism is a sorry excuse for genuine love. There's, oh man, it's cringy. How many times, whether it's like just on stage, like, oh, like God is just speaking to you right now. And it, it's like just this emotional show. I mean, almost every, if you've ever been to an encounter retreat at any church, it's usually just three days of raw, heavy emotion. Let's bring up all the friggin' stuff in your past and make you cry. And it, it's a cover for, for being spiritual, uh, and it's a cover for being, for being actually, um, it's a cover for being like authentic, because after you leave that retreat, all the people that were just like praying over you and laying hands, they never even talked to you again. It's such a, a ridiculous show, and we need to stop the emotionalism, because that's not what God has taught us to live like. It's not about our emotions. It's our emotions are important. God gave them to us. Our heart matters. But it is so much more than that. And the other side of this coin that I'm talking about is the super spiritualism. It only distracts from genuine action. How many times people say like, man, I'm going through this right now. Like, I'm praying for you, brother. And you don't even freaking pray for them. (laughs) You're not getting prayed for at all. If anyone tells you that, you just know that they're probably not praying for you. You need to to go to someone else. (laughs) Like, like guys, instead of actually talking with them, I remember a moment I went to a, a, a men's like a men's night, and I remember at the end of the night, there's one guy that uh, we like they had all the men come up and say, "Let's grab hands and pray," because that was spiritual. And one guy said, "Hey, can you guys please pray for me in this?" And and that was the worst mistake that dude ever made. 
because what the spiritual leaders start doing is just giving him advice. And that's, as a man, I could imagine how great that feels to just have a, a circle of other men <laughs> behaving like they're better than you and telling you how to live your life. What a great experience in church. <laughs> and, and then at, every time that he actually tried to share with what he was going through, he was interrupted by somebody else mm. and saying, what you need to do is this. And they don't even know what he's actually going through because he hasn't been able to share yet. Mm. And I was getting disgusted. I was the youngest one there, but I was getting disgusted. This guy was probably twice my age, if not more. And after the whole show of like, yeah, we're going to pray or whatever. Uh, I said, Hey man, you want to just talk? And I just took some time to sit aside and, t and listen and see that, that was a, a, that was an act of love rather than just this super spiritual show. And I could tell that after all of the, the advice and prayers, he didn't look any better. He looked a lot worse. But we ended up having to go to like a restaurant, a fast food place, because all the other people kept coming and interrupting him while he was trying to tell me his story. And when we finally got somewhere isolated and he could actually just talk, man, afterwards, oh, man, I, I can't tell you how grateful I am just being able to have someone listen and talk. And see, it's an act rather than this super spiritual show. And I, I, I can almost promise you that none of those people thought about that guy after that night all the ones that were giving their best advice but I remember seeing that guy I continued to think about him and and talk to him because it was an action rather than just a show and uh, you know I'm, I'm going off on the in the weeds so why don't you share something more <laughs> so we can we can wrap this up for the people <laughs> um yeah so I mean talking about the show and I, after everything like you shared like to me, it's obvious that the show is on both sides yeah. um, of church. The show is the church giving the show and us as people giving the show because we are um, taught to do that. We're taught to just be, go to church and you get your check. You feel good as a person. Mm. Um, you go and you show them like, yes, look, I, I'm a good person. I love God. I, I'm going to lift my hands today in worship and we're all good. Like everyone's good. You're good. I'm good. Everything's good. But true genuine church is not about the show on either end obviously is what we're talking about but i really love how we talk about transparency leading to victory like now that is where the heart of this is because um you know the, the bible even says confess your sins to one another and you will be healed you will be healed so many times yes the bible is all about confessing your sins to god which is most important he gives you the forgiveness that you need he gives you the victory ultimately victory comes from him but he in the word says confess your sins to one another and you will be healed we don't see that part as a christian as a church we don't see that not only do we need to go to god and receive the forgiveness but we need each other we need to be able to go to someone that we can trust to not gossip about our business, Amen. that we can go to a church leader or a friend in church and say, hey, you may think of me differently, I hope not, but I'm struggling with this and it's ugly because I don't know who else is listening, but we all struggle with ugly things, things that, oh, I can talk about like, oh, you know, I lied and I'm working on that or some things that you don't even want to mention. Am I right? Yeah. And I know you can think of those things for yourself. And, and we all have things that we're struggling with. And church is supposed to be a place where you can get your hands dirty, where yeah. you can go and just throw out all your 
dirty business and where you can go and the people there are willing to receive all that dirty business and pray for you. But I know that there's been times in my life where I've been able to find that. There's been other times where I couldn't. I couldn't tell them what I was going through. I couldn't be the real me because if I was, they'd judge me. You know, they'd say this, this, and this about me. But try to fix you because you're so yeah. messed up and they're so perfect. Yeah, yeah. And But there has been certain times um, where I've been able to go um, and, and share the deepest things of my life and never feel judged and feel welcome and feel accepted and literally be prayed for, you know, and have times of spiritual times with God and the Holy Spirit. And I tell you, I felt great freedom after that. Did I have to walk it out? Yes, it's not just an instant fix. But my point is, is we don't just need church to feel good on a Sunday to give us enough spiritual energy to make it to the next Sunday and that's it. That's not what church is for, to go and have the show. I love this church because it has the best lights and the best worship and the pastor's really cool and like he dresses really hip and like everyone there, like it's like a new church and like all that's great. But is that what you're going to church for? Are you going to church to get the best entertainment, the best worship experience, because worship is the worshiping God in spirit and truth, not in the loudest speakers and the greatest lights and the lyrics on the screen for your favorite song that week. It is so much more than that. It is, it, you don't need a show at the end of the day. We need healing for our souls. We need to grow closer to God. So if you're looking for a church like that, you're looking for the wrong thing because that will only satisfy for that Sunday morning. But what about long term? Are you looking for a community in a church that you can be real with, that can handle your stuff, that can pray with you and walk with you through some of the darkest seasons of your life and rejoice with you in the greatest seasons of your life because we don't just need people there when it's when it's um you know um you know our darkest seasons but but that's like really important but how about those times you're celebrating who's showing up to your wedding who's showing up to your baby shower you know those things are important and when we don't have community that also like it says oh you know i got tired that day so i don't want to go to your wedding like i'm sorry you know we need people that are actually there for you and I'm going on the tangent but you get my point but the show and so um, we need to cut out the show ourselves and we need to look for more than a show at church but an authentic community where we can just be who we are Um, and so and it's there it's it's some you can find that I'll tell you that yeah so yeah and and just like Lauren is sharing what with the whole idea of this getting rid of the show it's to find an authentic relationship with God an authentic relationship with God's people that's what it is. And the, it leads us to our last point, which is the selfish church. The selfish church is probably the biggest problem within our, our nation, and with our, our American church. And it's we, we're given a mission to die to self for the advancement of the gospel to others. But it has become... Our church has become a self-absorbing, me-centered message to the world. Mm. And the church's attitude has become a bow-down-to-me, I'm-most-important tone to the world rather than a servant it was intended to be. We have become obnoxious to our neighbors. And what I'm trying to unpack with this is that we often, instead of... uh, when you see most Christians just like, let's give the example of posting on social media. Usually Christians will post like crazy if it has anything to do with um, a restriction on church. Let's just say that. But won't share or post about anything else. 
Mm-hmm. It's only about what affects me. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the problem with that is that it really appears self-centered. It really appears obnoxious to only push our own agenda all the time. Guys, I'm, I'm all for the, the freedom of the church. I'm all for empowering the church. Mm-hmm. But we need, to get, we need to get across in a different way than just me, myself, and I. And on, on top of all that, is not every Sunday message turned into either a bless me, encourage me, help me, serve me message? Rather than how can you bless someone? How can you encourage someone? How can you help someone? How can you serve others? Mm-hmm. How often do we hear messages about serving others, but it's all about bless me, bless me, bless me, encourage me, encourage me, encourage me, help me, help me, help me. Yeah. Even, even churches are, it's almost like we've turned into this, this, this rhythm of to where we've turned God into a serving you kind of God to where his sole purpose is to serve you, to bless you, to please you, to help you. I mean, perfect example, a marriage going through a really hard time. Well, you need to start going to church. You need God to fix it. Well, like, yeah, God does do a great work, but that's not the, that's not the reason to go to church. That's not the reason you should find Christ. It's because he died on the cross and rose from the dead for your sins. Yeah. And if we, if we start, if we continue to just put these circumstances of, of a vending machine God to fix all of our own problems that we created, then we're setting ourselves up to only lose our faith in a couple years. And that's, that's my other problem with so many encounter retreats and so many uh, uh, church like messages is that it, it is all geared to the emotion that you're feeling right now. And once that emotion is resolved in God's presence, because his presence is just a natural healer, it's just so powerful, it does work in our lives, that once we get our fix, it's like, well, I guess I don't really need this anymore. Mm-hmm. I remember hearing a, a, a young Christian leader, a minister, that was even planning retreats, was, was part of the planning com- crew for setting up the whole retreat, have a sit down with me and tell me how they don't really know Um, why they should uh, follow God anymore because it's not benefiting them. That having faith in God and following after God is not benefiting their life at all, so why should they continue? I mean, this this was a person planning for these kinds of retreats. And I just, I am so concerned about what our Christianity has turned into in America because it's disgusting. If we are to be imitators of Christ, how do we match up in our churches and our messages when it comes to selfishness? How do we match up right now? If we were to just look at the majority of church messages right now, are they matching up to this Christ's selflessness of giving of himself for others? And we're supposed to be imitators of Christ. Are we really matching up to that? Or is it just about how can I be a better person? How can I better handle my money? How can I get what, uh, what God has given me? How can I enter my destiny? It's all me, 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 me. And that's not what God taught at all. That's not what Jesus taught at all. He said, if you lose yourself, if you die to yourself, if you crucify your flesh, then you will find life. I mean, the, the greatest, 
the two greatest commandments that Jesus gave. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So all this me-centered stuff, he's saying, yeah, all of that, that like all me, 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 I, 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 transition that to others now, to your neighbor, and that's what it should be. And yet we, we somehow reverted it back to ourselves. And the church has conditioned people to believe that getting their heart's desires is living by faith rather than risking everything for the advancement of the kingdom. Living by faith is not dreaming for that car you've been wanting. Mm-hmm. Living by faith is not hoping that you get a house on, uh, for half the price. For getting, it, living by faith is not praying for a bargain or praying for the lottery. It, that's not living by faith. It, it is actually doing something that scares you for the advancement of the gospel message for others. A, a small idea of living by faith would be to share the gospel with somebody that you're, even though you're afraid. That's, that's the smallest part of living by faith. If you want to really live by faith, adjust your life to better the gospel that, uh, to where it changes your, your lifestyle. That's, that's now you're really entering living by faith rather than having a moment of faith. But this idea that everything is just centered around me, it's not, it, it is not the way that Jesus had set up the church. And I'll end with these, these verses. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3-4, through four, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. In 1 Corinthians 10.24, don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. In James chapter 3.15-16, for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. That's that's deep right there. It's not even God's wisdom to be selfish. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. And then Psalm 119.36-37 says, Give me an eagerness for your laws rather than a love for money. Turn my eyes from worthless things and give me life through your word. These are completely contrary to the most, most of the messages in churches today. You know, ending on that, what, what are your final thoughts, Lauren? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, it's just true. <laughs> um, I don't have any, like, big things that um, I could share right now. But I guess really, like, the church has really nowadays has, and I've experienced that many times. I even remember going through... Um, a specific series at a church I was going through for a while, two for a while, and I love that church. Um, but now looking back, I realize, um, you know, there's a whole series on faith, but the faith that it was teaching us was all about me. And it was sharing, mm. God wants to provide for you and, it, and also give you things for your enjoyment. Don't get me wrong, the Bible clearly even says that. But when our hearts are so focused on asking God for specific things for us, us 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 we are so focused on that that we are blind to everything else around us we are blind to an authentic relationship with christ and doing things and serving others for god so you know i look back and i remember you know like okay this is the order of what you need to do you need to name it you need to find a verse that backs it up you need to start declaring it 
every single day declare. You need to, and it really started going into, um, and no offense to anyone that's watched this, but I don't know if you've ever heard of The Secret. Um, and, and it's like this whole thing about the universe and attracting what you want, you know. And I remember watching that back in the day and, and now, you know, um, I could, that's a whole other tangent we could share with you. But it, it doesn't work that way with God. The, attracting what you want, the universe, just declare it, feel it, grab it, take it, you know. And, and anyways, you know, the church has taught that these days. And not every church, but it's just not a healthy thing because at the end of the day, you know, we are here to to declare Jesus as our Lord and Savior who died for us on the cross. And there will be a day of eternity, which is, you know, to go to heaven with him forever. We'll have everything that we need, right? We have everything that we could ever ask for or imagine in heaven, whatever that looks like. I don't know. But the point is, is why would we get so fixated on these things that are just selfish, on these things that just serve ourselves, when clearly that is not what the message of Christ is. He says, go into all the world and share my gospel because my people are perishing. But yet we're here declaring every single day, in Jesus' name, I want a new car. In Jesus' name, I want the, the newest, you know, yellow and black striped charger. I don't know. Um, Dang, I, remember, I remember that's what I wanted during that time. Stupid. Yeah, dumb. Like, I couldn't even drive without wrecking. So it's like, why would I do that? Anyways, just kidding. But not really. But, um, so, but yeah, and so we're so busy, like, declaring and trying to bring in all these things. When there's people around us perishing don't know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, living in bondage, but yet we're sitting at our desk, Christian, with all our little plaques on our table, while these people are like in bondage and totally in darkness. And we're just like, okay, I'm going to write my little like declarations out. I will get this card by 2021. God is good. Amen. Right? And so that's just not the heart of God and the heart for his church. It's all about um, doing the Great Commission and going out and making a difference for Him. And so Amen. that's my last thoughts. You know, it's so powerful what you're saying, Lauren, like how we literally focus ourselves mm-hmm. as the center stage. And as we're asking for these these ridiculous things sometimes, well, on our way to work, we're seeing all these people outside literally starving. And, yeah. we're, and, we're, and what, do I say, what do we tell ourselves about them? What do you, what is the first thought that you have about them? Well, they put themselves in that position, mm. but it's not when it comes to you getting what you want. It's not about you putting yourself in a position for that, that more money or winning the lottery or getting that car you wanted. It's not about you putting yourself in that position to where you don't have it. Yeah. It's God's going to bless you. Mm. But for the, the other person that's starving outside, yeah. Oh, well they did that to themselves. Yeah. Y'all see how like ridiculous that is. Mm-hmm. God has called us to, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And he said, on when it comes to judgment day that he will tell people get behind me for when I was hungry you didn't feed me when I was naked you didn't clothe me when I was when I was in jail you didn't visit me when I was sick you didn't see me you know he's gonna say that and he's not gonna be talking about all the like I'm so glad that you asked for uh, all the prayers that you had 80% of them were all about you good job good and faithful servant Mm. I, I hope that this is hitting for us and that it's convicting so with all that being said I really, as we close, um, this was definitely a two-part message. Yeah. Um, but as we close, if you are, are feeling God's Spirit move on your heart right now, and you feel like there needs to be some decisions made, maybe you realize that, that you have been the, the show Christian to where you need to get an authentic relationship with God right now. Maybe you realize that you've played a part in segregation. Maybe you realize that 
that you have believed this, this me-centered, selfish Christianity, and now you want to really go into the authentic relationship with God and how to love His people. You want to just start right now. I want you to just pray a prayer with us because the Bible says in Romans that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that He rose from the dead, that He is who He said He is, that that is what it takes to start this walk and this journey. So say, Jesus, I really want to make this authentic. I want to get right with you and I want to see the Bible. I want to see you and your people the way you intended me to. I want to look from a new perspective, a fresh perspective. And I want to look through the eyes of the cross. I want to see things through your blood. I want to be reconciled to you and I want to be a reconciler for others. Help me to live by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that with us, uh, or maybe you did last week or the week before, and you're just you're ready to get connected, what better day than now? What better time than right now? And so we'd love for you to just send us a message and connect with us um, because Gravetop Church is a great family to be a part of. It is so life-giving. And with all this being said, we're not, we're not trying to infer that we're perfect in mm-hmm. meeting all these things. No. We all have work to do. Mm-hmm. But will you please join us in, in becoming the right kind of church yeah. that the world needs? Uh, we, we really would love for you to be a part and help make a difference here at Gravetop. Yeah. And, um, man, that was just a great message, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm on fire still right now. Because it's <laughs> hot in here? No, no. <laughs> all sweating and stuff? <laughs> um, well, with that being said, um, as we close out, um, if you have it on your hearts to give today, uh, or maybe you have it on your heart to start tithing to Gravetop Church, I want to let you know that it's because of our donors, it's because of those who tithe, those who give offerings, that allow us to fulfill this mission of, of furthering this idea of becoming a church community like the one we talked about today. One that, that is, is desegregating, one that is putting off the show, one is, that is speaking up instead of remaining silent, one that is, is uh, striving to be selfless. That is what we are trying to reach as a church, but it takes a community of believers. And when you give, you truly help us fulfill that mission of becoming a community like that. And we wouldn't be able to do it without you. And so we are so grateful. And if you if uh, if you have it on, on your hearts today to start making J- Gravetop Church your home church, and you want to start tithing, we wanna we wanna let you know that you can do that. Uh, three major ways. You can go to Gravetop.com and click the Give tab and give straight online through there. You can also give through third-party apps like Cash App or Venmo. You can even text to give. Um, But whatever the reason, we want to make it also very, very clear that we never want anybody to feel pressured or persuaded to give when God's not telling you to give. It it is something that has to be done out of the your heart and it's something so very personal between you and God Mm -hmm. and so with that being said we love y'all so much uh we are grateful for all you guys that have stayed on the whole time that was crazy (laughs) um but uh goodbye to Matt uh hey Savina glad you could join on uh jump on Jessica what's up Crystal thank you for uh sticking true Mallory we saw you on there um, dropping all them comments. Um, we, we just love you guys so much and we're so grateful for you. Uh, have a great rest of your night. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. 
And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.